Hello, Mama. Excited to be here with you. Hope your day is amazing and filled with moments of joy amidst the chaos. Hey, maybe you're at a stage where there is no chaos. That sounds great. We're not there. We did have a birthday party for my youngest. He just turned one. I can't believe it. It's very strange. And uh, it's so funny to us. He's like transitioned to being one, like in the last, I don't know, even a couple weeks, I think. He's, his personality has like flipped entirely. It's so fascinating. He was like the quietest, sweetest little baby. And now he is a complete terror. Like, I mean, amazing, but like, talks nonstop, screams when he doesn't get what he wants, pushes the, his siblings to like get past them if there's something he wants on the other side of them, getting into absolutely everything. And I'm like, woo, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> I was thinking like maybe it'd be easier once we hit the one year mark. Um, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it gets a little simpler, like they don't need milk around the clock and all of that. But I don't know. We might, uh, it might be a little more challenging. We will see. Uh, stay tuned to find out more. But anyways, we are continuing our series on how to stay married and have kids. Um, I started this series because I just feel like there is a major attack going in the world on marriages. And there's just so many different opinions out there and loud thoughts about how staying married isn't important, that sometimes it's better to break up, to get a divorce. And I don't believe that's the solution. And so I'm here to help you so that you can thrive in your marriage, so you can keep going and have a great marriage. And while it might not be a perfect marriage, actually it won't be a perfect marriage, that's impossible because we're not perfect. The person we're married to isn't perfect, right? Like it's impossible. But I believe you can have a, a great one. Um, and even if that means it's just your perspective that has changed, that actually in, in, in and of itself can make a great marriage. So I um, am excited to continue the conversation with you again today. We're going to continue to dive back into a little bit more of the kind of high level thinking about how to shift our mindsets and some of the the ways that culture has infiltrated our view of marriage. So we're going to kind of wrap up that conversation today. And then in the next episode, we're going to start getting a little more practical. I'm going to spell out the specific mindsets um, that I think most of us need to change in our marriages. And then we'll get even more practical about like, okay, how do we show up? What do we do? What are the different things that we need to actually do? And I'm going to answer a lot of your questions that you put in the Facebook group. So stay tuned. It's uh, a lot. I'm like, I, I, I could, I feel like I could talk for a year on marriage. Like there's so much there. There's so much I've learned. And I think there's so much that's getting in the way of us having healthy marriages. So I'm just getting a little passionate over here. Um, and before we start, I just want to remind you, if you know that it's time to do the deeper work, like you're hearing me and you're saying, yes, like I, I need to shift some of my mindsets and that's great and all, but at the core of it, I just am really struggling with anger and anxiety, and I don't know how to stop it, then I just want to encourage you. I have a space for that. It's called the Healed Mama Academy, but it's not just focused on motherhood. Actually, that's kind of a small portion of it. I call it that just because I'm speaking to moms, but it's it's for anyone that wants to get to a place where they are healthy, where they know how to not be angry anymore, where they know how to stop the anxiety. And I just walk you through all of this steps of what that looks like to practically walk that out, to uh, rewire your brain and have four simple 
steps that you can implement in any situation, in any relationship. And as you work those more and more, it's going to change how you show up. So I would love for you to come join. We have some amazing conversations over there about faith, about motherhood, about wifehood, about healing. And, you know, just today we were diving into, oh man, some heavy stuff. That was really great. Just diving into the the problem of pain and how can we trust that God is good even amidst pain And yeah, we just went there today. It was really great. Um, But I would love to see you over there. So come and apply. You can get all of the information at morningmama.co. That's morningmama.co. I just love getting to know you and uh, just hearing just exactly what you're walking through. It, It makes me so happy to get to come alongside what God is already doing in your life and just help you take that next step. So come join me. All that to say, we are gonna jump in. I can't wait to finish up this conversation so we can get super practical because I know we need both and I'm ready to get practical with you. So let's dive in. Welcome to the Morning Mama podcast, where it is time to wake up to the life you were created for. Come join me on a journey to heal from your past, craft a healthy, joy-filled life, and discover the gifts and passions inside of you that the world needs. Hi, I'm Brittany, a former marriage and family therapist who is ready to help you grab hold of your courage, step out in faith, and discover that your life can become more than you ever dreamed possible. This is Morning Mama, a place for you to throw off all that has been holding you back and run into true freedom. mama. Here we go. We're going back up high level thinking, right? Like really high up in the sky, 20,000 feet view. Like we're not down to the ground practicals of what we do. This is all about this high level thinking of what is infiltrating how we view our marriage and what our thinking, what, what we do think matters because what we think is going to dictate what we do. Our thinking goes into our words, our thinking goes into our actions. And so we have to first and foremost, recorrect our minds, right? Take every thought captive and align our minds, our hearts to God's word. If we don't do that step, then all of the other steps we're taking, they're just going to be like a very surface level bandaid, right? I think I gave a medical analogy in the last one about like digging out the, um, uh, you know, like rocks that are stuck in your knee after a fall. And, um, you know, if, if we're just working on communication or we're just, um, talking about hugging each other every day and giving each other a kiss. Like those things are good and important. Absolutely. But if there's some gravel up in your knee, right, it's just like, those things are just like putting a bandaid over it without taking the gravel out first. Like your, your knee is not going to do well with just a bandaid over top. If there's some nasty junk in your knee, it's going to get swollen and infected and inflamed and, and it's not going to heal. Right. So in order to heal our marriages, in order to actually make those other things we're going to talk about count, we have to first get the gravel out, set our perspectives in line with God's word. So that's what we've been doing. And I know it's heavy lifting. I know it's like kind of hurts your brain a little bit. I know it's like, you kind of want that fluffy, juicy stuff. And we're going to get there, like I keep saying, but this stuff is so important. I just want to say that so you can set your mind and be like, okay, I'm learning, I'm growing, I need this. And just be ready to go there with me. So 
In the last episode, I talked about how I believe the number one problem that is making so many of us unhappy in our marriages is how critical theory has seeped into how we view men and therefore how we view our husbands. And I talked about how you know, it, critical theories viewpoint is that every single interaction, uh, there's always an, a, an oppressor and the oppressed. And I want to take a minute because I don't know if I said this in the last episode. There actually, there is absolutely real oppression in the world. Absolutely. Like I'm not trying to minimize that. Um, I, and maybe I said this and I'm saying it again. It's, it's, it needs to be said. Like there are people that are oppressed, um, whether it's because of race, whether it's because of, um, your background, your income level, your gender, like whatever it is, absolutely. There are people that are, are oppressed, but I do not believe that in every conversation there is someone being oppressed. And so, and I, you probably might agree with me, but I also think that this mentality has seeped into how we view our husbands. So go back and listen to that. Um, there's more details there, but I just wanted to continue this and talk about some of the ways that I think this shows up the way that we are inadvertently viewing our husbands as oppressors. Um, you know, I think we're just constantly watching out for ways that we're being oppressed without like, we wouldn't use this language. We wouldn't necessarily recognize it as this, but I think that we are constantly like on the alert of like, wait, no, that wasn't fair. Mm, that wasn't right. Mm, I think you were maybe being demeaning and how you said that, or mm, just the fact that I'm doing dishes right now is demeaning. Like, I think we are uh, overly interpreting, um, household duties, um, maybe conversations that are completely unintentional. We're viewing all of it to, to find these places. Now there are some marriages where this is taking place, but that I would, I would classify those as probably abusive. Um, it could be that maybe, you know, your husband isn't necessarily abusive, but he's just grown up in a culture, um, that is kind of lends itself more to a very traditional view of men and women. And maybe with that, some unhealthy ways of viewing, um, maybe household duties and maybe even viewing what it looks like to submit to your husband. Even though I do believe we're called to submit, I think that people can misconstrue that and make it something that it wasn't supposed to be. So there is a possibility that this is happening in your marriage um, and it's not abusive. And again, when I'm talking about all these things, I'm not talking about an abusive situation. That's completely different. That's something you need the help of a counselor to walk you through and help you most likely get out um, or at least temporarily get out. Um, probably, yeah, we're not going to go into that. That's a whole, whole other thing. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of great resources. I am sure I should get some for you, but, um, yeah, this is not the conversation for that. I always have to make that clear. But what we look for um, is what we're going to find, right? So if we're always imagining that we're being oppressed, if that's in the back of our minds because of how culture views men, if we're always looking for that, then we're going to find it, right? I think we know this principle generally. Like we know that if we look for negative things, we're going to find them. We know that if we, if we are always looking for what's broken, what's bad, what's wrong with someone, what, what's wrong with our kids, we're going to find it. Like those things are there and we will find them. But we know also that when we fix our mind on looking for the other things, that's when we find those. And, and I think the biggest example of this is most people 
heard many people talk about the practice of gratitude, right? And that's why that's so powerful is because gratitude is, is a positioning yourself to always be looking for the good, right? It's, it's a choice, a perspective to always find something that is good because there always is something that is good. Even in the most dire of circumstances, there is always something that is good. Are you breathing? God gave you life, right? Like that is good. Do your feet work? Do your eyes work, right? Do you have food and water? Like we could go on, but you get it, right? So if you look for gratitude, that changes your posture of how you show up in life because now you are always seeking that and it's going to fill you with more joy. It's going to fill you with more contentment. It's going to fill you with more positivity, right? Because, and more happiness even because you are, you're the, it's, you're not saying the negative doesn't exist. You're just saying, I will always find the good and you're going to find more of it then. Right. And if, you, if you're not looking, you're not going to find it. And so I think we do this with our husbands. I think that we can have this pessimistic view of them where we're always looking for what they're not doing. We're always looking for how they're messing up how they're doing something wrong, how they're not showing up, how they're not speaking life into us, how they're not reaching out and connecting with us, how they're not cleaning, how they're not taking care of the kids, how they're not like, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And I know this because I've lived it. And when we do that, we will always find that. We will always find the ways that our husbands are failing because they are failing sometimes. Because guess what? We are also failing. And if you're not failing everyone else, you're failing yourself. You know, because I can imagine also the mom that is just like, I have to make sure everything's perfect all the time and our children are perfect and everything is in the house is perfect, right? And, and you're just perfect, 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 right? Well, then you're failing yourself and really God, because God wants you first and foremost to, to rest in him, in his identity, what he has for you. He wants you to sit with him first and foremost. He wants you to have peace in that. He wants you to find contentment in that, right? Not in doing and serving and, and being perfect, right? Those things are good. But when you get to that level and you're actually showing up in this perfect way, then you're not actually serving being who God has called you to be. And probably, I think most people that lend towards this side, a lot of them get into this control pattern where because they want things to be perfect, they need everyone to fall in line with that, which then leads to being controlling and manipulative potentially, especially in a marriage, um, or frustrated or, you know, there's a lot of that. So all that to say, none of us are perfect. That's a whole long, uh, runaway train, bunny trail. What are those things called? (laughs) Just to tell you that you're not perfect. You probably already know this. I think most of us moms, um, know that we're not. But I think when we, when we compare ourselves to our husbands, like we might sit and think about our kids and, and think like, oh, I'm failing them. I'm not good enough. Like I'm not showing up enough. Right. But then we like think about our husbands and I think not all of us, but a lot of us will sit there and think, gosh, he's failing. Gosh, he's missing the mark here. Gosh, he's doing this. Right. And so it's like, oh, we know we're not perfect. And yet we're trying to almost like, we want our husbands to be perfect and, or we're comparing our plight to their plight or, or how we show up to how they show up. We're going to talk more about that because that's a big issue there. There's big issues with that. 
But we've got to begin instead of seeking, where are you messing up? Right. And, and why I tie this into the whole oppression conversation is because I think this stems from this viewpoint that men are inherently evil or, or <laughs> even they say it that extremely, but that they're oppressive. Like, and they do say that, like as culture says that men are oppressive. And in that we then view all of their missed marks as almost an attack on us. Every time they miss the mark, we view it as like, well, just like there's proof. He doesn't really care. There's proof. He expects me to do it all, right? There's proof. He thinks he's better than me because he's not doing this thing, right? When, When maybe absolutely none of that is the reason maybe why he's missing the mark. It's something completely different. Um, probably, and we'll talk about this, but a lot of it might be because you're not communicating well, asking for help, a different, different story, different topic. We'll get there. But a lot of times it's not going to be what we assume. And we're filling in the gap in so many places. And again, I'm generalizing. This might not be you, but I know it's some of you because it's me and I know I'm not the only one. That's something I've learned in doing this work is like, oh yeah, I'm really not the only one. I love when you reach out to me and are like, yes, thank you for saying that. I'm not alone. And I'm like, oh, that means I'm not alone too. That's great. So I know I'm not alone in this. We got to stop filling the gap in and, and viewing our husbands under this light. Okay, let's keep going. So some other ways this shows up is we are finding any and every way that, so along with this, that our husband is failing. Um, and this might be that he's failing, right? He's missing the mark. Um, like, like he knows, like maybe he's sinning. Maybe he's not apologizing. Um, maybe he's not having healthy conflict with you, right? Like he's being avoidant or, um, yelling or being grumpy, right? Like something like that. Or this could also be in the way that he is unintentionally failing, meaning like he doesn't even realize the trash needs to be taken out. And you're sitting there assuming all kinds of stuff about why he's not taking the trash out. Again, many of these examples are from my life. You're welcome. (laughs) You're sitting there assuming why he's not taking the trash out. And like, he just didn't realize it was full, which can feel frustrating. I do understand that. However, like what is something that you never notice, right? That he's really good at. Like I'm trying to think of an example in our home. There's many examples. I just don't have one on the tip of my tongue. Um, like my son's room. Okay. I don't know. I just, or, or the garage. That's an even better example. The garage to me, the garage is a place that you put stuff. You know, you put boxes, maybe cars, California. We don't usually put our cars in there. You use them for like other things, but I know most people in other States, maybe other countries use their garages for their cars, but you know, it's, it's, it's like, to me, it doesn't matter if it's like perfect or it doesn't matter if it's messy for him. That is extremely important. Like if the garage is a mess, it aggravates him. So if I leave something in there completely unintentionally, right? Like I am not trying to hurt him. I am not trying to come against him. I just don't think about it because it doesn't matter to me. Right. And so 
he could take offense by, to that. And sometimes he does. <laughs> but on both sides, we've got to, we've got to stop doing that. Like there are different, we have different perspectives, different gifts. And, and so th- the reason he's not taking the trash out is not because he's an oppressor. <laughs> it's not because he's evil. It's not because he thinks that the women should do all the work or the wife should do it. It's not because he just wants to sit and watch football. I mean, it could be that, but I bet you, if you say, Hey babe, the trash is full. Can you get up and take it out for me? I bet you most of your husbands would, would say, sure, babe, let me do it at the commercial. But we don't ask. We don't ask. Okay. But that's another conversation. I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So it could be unintentional failing, right? Like he just isn't realizing it. Or it could be what culture says is a failure, which is a whole other category, right? The thing that comes to mind first for me, and I know some of you are going to maybe be triggered by this, but it's this idea of the unfair mental load of motherhood. I see so many different posts about like how, you know, it's, and, and even in some of your responses, like the mental load of motherhood is not fair. Like it's, it's, you know, it's that we have to carry all of these different things and it's just not right. Now, I get it. Like it is a lot and there's many things that we carry and there's so much that we do as we manage our homes and we are, you know, the, like, I, I, people like to use the, the term default parent. To me, I think maybe a better term is like a chosen parent. Now, I know not every situation you have chosen that role, but I want you to really search yourself deeply if you're in that space, because I think more of us than we realize have chosen it. For me, for example, and again, I know this is not everyone's story, but for me, for example, I shared this a little bit in the last episode, but I told my husband, I want to be a stay at home mom. Like I want this. And then I chose, when I started working, I chose things that didn't make money. Like I work for my church. I don't make money there. I have this business and right now it's not profitable. Maybe someday it will be, but it's not right now. And so I take time like, and, and when I do work, right, it takes money. Like I have to pay for my zoom account. I have to pay for childcare. I have to pay, you know, like these different things. And so all that to say, I have chosen to be the parent that stays home when they're sick because I am not carrying the financial burden of the household, right? And so for a long time, though, I felt like I hadn't chosen that. I felt like because I fell into this mentality of culture that it's just not fair that women have to do all of this. And I was so resentful that I was the one that knew the the baby's schedule. And I was the one that knew about the rules for how to defrost breast milk. And I was the one that knew about the naps. And I was the one, right? Like you, the list goes on and on. And I got so angry and resentful about that. But when I look at it, honestly, without this disruption of what culture says, actually, I have chosen this and I actually wouldn't want it any other way. Like I do want to be that person. So why am I resentful about this? That's ridiculous. Like I need to, first of all, that's also very victimized thinking and speaking. And like, God does not call us to be victims. Like God, even in the most dire of circumstances, like speaks to people in slavery and says, Hey, like, go the extra mile, right? And he's talking about a Roman, um, Roman, I can't think of the words right now, but like if, if the the pressers at the time, I'm forgetting all of the details. You can make fun of me. It's fine. But, uh, um, 
Okay, without the details of the story, because I cannot for the life of me remember it now, and I don't want to look it up. But God's people were in slavery, and um, the the bad guys <laughs> they would they would ask not ask they would tell them the God's people to carry something for them, and it was very degrading, right? Like it was very horrible to them. But God said, "Don't just say yes." But like, go the extra mile, walk the extra mile. Like, don't just take it how far they want you to take it, but take it a whole extra mile. And so God is always encouraging us and commanding us to be empowered, to make choices that are empowered versus being victims and blaming and looking at everyone as it's their fault. But we're going to have, but he calls us to having empowered language. And there's a great book on this. Um, it's by Danny Silk. Um, something about love. Um, I'll have to look that up for you. Email me if you want it, but support at morningmama.co. It's a really great book, but ultimately like we have to get out of this victimized thinking because it is contributing because not only are we viewing our husbands as oppressors, but we're viewing ourselves as the oppressed as victims. And that victimized thinking is only going to lead us to a place of victimization. Like we're going to be sad and angry and not take ownership and not be grateful. Like it only leads us to a a place that God does not intend for us to go. And so we've got to be really careful with that. So when we, we talk about this mental load of motherhood, like, yeah, we do do that. And that's amazing. Like, wow, we're awesome. Like, look at what we can handle. Look at the strength that we have. And when it gets to be too much, one, we can get organized. Maybe not first even. One, we can ask for help, right? Like, and and again, I keep jumping to that because I think it's such a big thing and we're going to talk about it. But we, yeah, we ask for help and then where we get organized or both, right? And there's different ways to deal with it. But ultimately, like, it's a beautiful role that we get to carry that sometimes feels heavy, but you know what? Pressure isn't bad. Pressure makes babies and diamonds and both are beautiful. So pressure is not bad. Pressure forms us into who we are created to be. And so what a beautiful, what a beautiful role we get to fill as the chosen parents (laughs) that we get to be refined in this process of being mothers because of the pressure that we get to carry, right? You hear how that sounds different than what culture says of like, women have to take on so much. Women, the moms, they have so many things that they have to carry and juggle and think about. And oh my gosh, it's just so horrible. Everything that they have to, to do, how do they do it all? It's just too much. It's just not fair. This is why we're so anxious and depressed, right? No, 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 no. I get it. It's heavy. And I know it's heavier for some of you because I know like there's circumstances that make it more challenging, but you are not a victim. You are a victor, a victor. God says that. That's who you are. So we've got to throw off this victimized language, this victimized viewpoint, and we've got to step into being empowered and saying, yeah, heck yeah, I'm awesome. Look what I can do. And yes, I am awesome enough also to ask for help. Okay. And also, when we hit these moments of struggling, it might mean that it's time to grow. Like for me, for example, I um, am, I'm, I've just realized, I've, I guess I've been finally honest with myself that I, um, 
am not good at organization and systems. It's hard for me to admit because I really love them. I love the idea. Well, I guess I love the idea of them. I love when they work too. Like it's great and it's fun for me to learn about. It's fun for me to try and implement, but actually implementing it right now, I am not good at it. And that was like a big deal. I just (laughs) realized that for myself in the last like week or so, (laughs) because I like fooled myself because I love the idea of it. I fooled myself into thinking that I wasn't bad at it. I never knew it. I never thought I was like awesome at it, but I thought I was like, I don't know. All that to say, I finally have realized this is hard for me. And so I now I'm taking another course to help me. I love learning. I love courses. Another course to help me get organized and really like get my routines in place. It's been great so far. I'll keep you posted on it, but um, it's by Hannah Brencher. Uh, she's a writer. She's also a mom. She's amazing. Um, it's called Overhaul Your Ro- Routines. All that to say, it's been great so far. But I'm getting help, right? I'm learning how to do this. I've been reading books on it. I've taken other courses on it. I'm doing everything I can. I just reached out for help for, from a friend that I know is really good at systems. I'm getting accountability from other friends, right? Like I'm taking ownership of what I can take ownership of. And I'm asking for help also with my husband and we're working together, but that's something we're going to talk about also, like, like I keep saying a hundred times. So like this is essential. And so we've got to be careful, even the language we use to describe what's happening. Okay. I'm going to keep moving. I know there's probably more to talk about there, but I have, I just looked at my notes and there's so many more notes and we are about to hit the end of our 30 minutes. So guys, I'm just a little passionate here. Okay. The next thing I want to just touch on, and I kind of already mentioned this, but this is what my notes say. Even when we are naturally better at something, we are trying to make our husbands also be an equal part in this because we think otherwise our marriage isn't fair and that parenting isn't fair. So (laughs) it's like that example, right? Of the, of the garbage, right? I naturally might be better at recognizing when the garbage is full. That's something that I pay attention to, right? And so that's a natural instinct I have. That's great. I then can use my natural instinct to bless our family by either taking the garbage out myself or asking for help, right? Simple. Asking for help without resentment, without bitterness, without judgment, right? And that is a beauty that I bring to my family, Now, what happens is I think we view these things we're naturally good at, and instead of using them to bless our family, we use them to be resentful. And we say, well, I'm the one always noticing this. That means that you're not helping enough. That means that this isn't fair. That means that you don't care, right? We we begin to fill in all of these assumptions there instead of actually being like, wow, I am good at this. I'm going to bless my family with this. You know, another example is me when I was, again, I, going back to when I was for a first time mom, and there was a lot of this happening in our home and in my mindset at the time. And so I remember me getting up to nurse the baby at night and I would insist on him also not nursing, not nursing the baby, but also taking a shift to take care of the baby. I think I used this in, in the last episode as well. And so I just, again, want to say like, you know, if you're using bottles, like, great, like, yes, you need sleep. So figure out a way to have someone help. But that's not what we're talking about here. This was, I think, even beyond the point where, you know, like, I think at this point I had been sleeping, you know, it was just maybe once or twice a night, the baby was waking up and I would 
be so angry if I was the only one getting up. I felt like he either had to get up with me or take turns with me or I don't know, sit there and watch me or like change the diaper after. Like I've even heard of people doing that where like the mom will nurse the baby and then the man will change the diaper after. Okay. To me, now it depends on the circumstances. And if that works for you, great. I'm not talking to you talking to those of you that you have maybe unhealthy stuff going on in your marriage. Like I did, like I do sometimes still, how long does it take to change a diaper? Right? Usually, even if it's a poopy one, usually less than what? 30 seconds, maybe a minute if it's real crazy. Right? So we're going to make our husbands get out of bed just to change the diaper so that it's fair. It just doesn't make sense. (laughs) Like let him sleep so that, you know, he can wake up early or let him sleep so he can focus on work and be done earlier. Let him sleep so that he can take a shift tomorrow, right? Like it doesn't make sense to have him get up. Now, again, it depends on the circumstance. I'm sure there's more nuances, right? Maybe you nurse the baby and then the baby's hard to get back to sleep. So he changes the diaper and puts them back to sleep because it takes a while. Sure. Okay. That's great. If that's helpful. But I just think sometimes we get so fixated on what is fair. And to us, fair, right, needs to be equal. Exactly this and exactly that. Versus looking at our natural strengths and being like, hey, this is great. We each bring beautiful things to this marriage, right? Another example is I am really, like I said, this kind of goes along with my systems and organization. I'm bad at that stuff. And specifically for sure with finances, like numbers, oh spreadsheets. No, no. Um, it's, it hurts my brain very much. So now my husband does all of that and I could easily, or he could easily look at me and be like, well, it's just not fair that I have to do all of this. Like I have to pay all the bills. I have to do all the organization of this. I have to look through all of this. Like you need to come sit with me and do this with me. Right. And that just like, would it make sense? Or even if he tried to delegate something to me, like he would just have to go back and fix it because I would mess it up. I'm sure he could train me eventually if that was something we really needed to split because of specific reasons. But ultimately, that's it's going to take me three times as long. I'm not going to do as good, probably more than three times. Let's be honest. And and I just it just doesn't make sense. And so he does it. And that's great. Right. And so we, we hear things like that and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But then when it comes to our duties and what we're carrying, we just want him to, to have it so it, looks, so it looks even. Now, I do need to be a part of the financial conversation. I do need to be a part of budgeting. I do need to, we do need to be a team in this, right? Like I'm not saying he should do all the finances by himself, like, alone and make all the decisions and all of that right now we're a team so I what makes sense is he does that background work and then we come together and we look at things together and we make decisions together right but but I think so often when the script is flipped when the yeah that's right <laughs> we become resentful and think that things should look different And oh, there's so much more to go in on here. And I'm going to have to bring some of this into the next episode. I, I just want to challenge you though. Like as you're hearing this, like ask God to open your heart. Cause you know, I know there's different circumstances. I know like the examples I gave, they don't look like everyone's life. And so there maybe are situations where it really just, 
looks unfair and it's a lot, but you know, I want to challenge you and we're going to dive more into this, but I want to challenge you. Look for what he is doing, right? Look for what is actually there. Look for what things he is bringing in, right? For like, for example, for me for so long, which sounds silly, but I think there's probably some of you out there doing this for so long. I didn't give him credit that he was providing for our family. Like I thought that as you know, he needed to be an equal part just because he's providing doesn't mean he can work long hours. Doesn't mean he can come home and, you know, not help with every single thing at home. Right. Hi. It just, I, <laughs> the way I, view, I would view things baffles me, but I do think it's how culture has seeped into how we view our husbands. And so now we have this negative assumption that we view them through and everything that we, we see about them comes out of that negative space instead of looking for what is actually there. What is he bringing? Is he bringing provision? Is he bringing in, uh, if he's, is he doing the finances? Is he taking out the trash? Like, what is he doing? What does he bring? Does he bring fun? Right? That's something that's very valuable that we can undermine right? Because we'll be like, oh, it's just, you know, we do all this hard work and then he comes in and swoops and is the fun dad is the, does the fun stuff. That's good. Like we want that. Our kids need fun. And sometimes it's hard to be cleaning in and be fun. <laughs> I mean, that'd be the goal is to like have fun with our kids while we clean, but man, that can be tiring. So thank the Lord that he comes in and brings some fun. So we've got to really be careful. And I'm going to keep talking about this, but we are out of time for this episode. And I am just grateful for you showing up here. I know this is challenging. I know your situation might be different. I just encourage you have the courage to lean in, ask God what he might want to reveal. I want you to make a list. What is your husband doing? The good things. What are all the good things he brings? And I want you to challenge yourself to really go there. And if you're struggling to write anything down, reach out to a, a trusted friend or leader in your life that knows your husband and ask them because you might have a blind spot here. You know, he might be bringing in some things. And if he's literally bringing in nothing, then it, it might, you might have a problem. Like it might be time for some counseling. I don't know if this is abuse or, or just maybe he's depressed you know, that's, something a lot deeper and heavier. But for most of us, there's going to be things that he is bringing that we're not recognizing right now. So let's start there and we'll continue this conversation. Let me just pray over you. And God, I thank you for marriage. Oh, I thank you that you've created it so we can be a team, God, so that we can do this life and this parenting and the house with someone else. God, thank you for making us mothers, God. And with that, bringing us specific gifts, Lord, I pray that we would value our gifts and see them as things we get to bring to our family. God, not that we have to, that we get to. By the way, guys, <laughs> keep your love on. That's the name of the book by Danny Silk. Or turn your love on. No, I think it's keep your love on. You'll find it. Danny Silk keep your love on. Okay. Dear Jesus, we're coming back to you now. <laughs> God, thank you that we get to have choice. God, that we get to choose what our life looks like. God, I pray that we would view these responsibilities, God, as gifts from you, God, and you would teach us how to manage them. God, you would help us to know how to make them light, God, or, or how, uh, help us to see how the pressure is refining us and making us more whole. Lord, I pray we would get good at asking for help. I pray that in a, in a healthy way, God, teach us that Lord. And, um, I just pray you would continue aligning 
feeding our hearts and our minds with your word, God, as we look at our marriage, as we look at our husbands, God, just let us to have your eyes, God. We love you and we praise your name in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you, Mama. If you've found hope and inspiration in today's episode, then hit subscribe. Make sure you don't miss a moment on this journey of healing. Want to help more mamas enter into the hope and freedom you have found? Please take a moment to leave a review. This helps so much to get Morning Mama seen so that more mamas can find this space. Lastly, please come say hi in our Facebook group, Morning Mama Collective. I would love to meet you and learn your story. Let me know where you're getting stuck in your healing journey so that you can help inspire more episodes. I am so grateful for you, Mama, and I cannot wait to see all that God has in store for you. Mama.